Chapter 9 We followed Lou, WHO drove a Cadillac SUV, back through town, turned east after the school, before the bridge that spanned the river, and passed a baseball field and what looked like fairgrounds before coming to a collection of large buildings, three long houses with metal roofs and no windows, and one four-story Spanish colonial with arches, white stucco walls and a tile roof. Two men who looked more like soccer dads than formidable guards stood between the buildings. Are those the Zadatorians I keep hearing about? I said. Most likely. Why is everyone so afraid of them? They just look like normal dudes. Those are just their host bodies. Trust me you don't want to see what they really look like. Zadatorians are from the world closest to ours called Zadator. In our world, they have to use a type of echolocation to navigate through the different time here. During the Zadatorian Wars, we discovered that singing harmonies disrupted this echolocation and disorientated them. Tuvan throat singing was invented then so a lone warrior could fight against them, but it wasn't called that back then. And the Tuvan singing can only do so much. It's better to have several warriors harmonizing together, especially if there's more than one Zadatorian. That all sounded on brand for the last two days, but that didn't make it any more comforting. So the singing will work? In theory. Is there anyone you can call for backup? No. Not sure who I can trust anymore. She looked over at me. You okay? Sure. This is it, you know? We get the cure and you're free. You can do this. Free? I wasn't so sure about that now, after hearing about the trouble my mom was in. I could never unsee what I'd seen, unlearn what I'd learned. After rounding the corner, out of sight of the prison camp, Lou pulled into a turnout, and we parked behind him and got out. The rain had let up. Water burbled through a nearby culvert. Ready? Lou said. Me 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 me. What's on you thinking? I'm best in sea, how about summer wind? Can't go wrong with old blue eyes. What I say? Whatever, Kalia said. The confidence on this one. He turned to me. My son's in the middle of the three long houses. The O is in there too. I almost couldn't smell my son through it. How will I know where to find it inside? I said. If it's the lodge's supply, Kalia broke in, it'll be in a case like the one we got from Kmart. Lou handed me a thumb-sized bottle of liquid. Give this to my son when you see him. Just slap it on his skin. The little hippie's wearing a hoodie that says Humboldt on it. How's Charlie getting in? Kalia said. Lou popped the back hatch of his SUV. A steel battering ram lay inside. That. Standard NYPD issue. A buddy of mine knows a guy. Kalia held up her phone and shook it at me. We have service here. I won't be able to talk because of the singing, but text me if you get in trouble in there. Back in the car, I turned on the stereo to drown out what my imagination was making out of the Zadatorians, but barely a note played before Kalia shut it off. What are you doing, she said. It's too quiet. It's literally a five-second drive. And I don't need to get another song stuck in my head right now.
You'll be fine. Just follow the plan. The soccer dads, one bald on top, the other with a thick beard, cocked their heads and looked over our cars as we pulled in, as if straining their ears to hear something in the distance. Kalia smashed the brakes. My chest lurched against the seatbelt. I undid it, threw open the door, and shot to my feet. Lou was already out, crooning. Kalia joined in, voice higher. Together they sounded beautiful. The Zadatorians swayed on their feet, arms out as if balancing on a log. Carrying the battering ram, Lou struck out for the longhouse in the middle, no sign of strain in his voice. I followed, and Kalia stayed a few paces behind me so as not to trigger the full-body pain spasms from being too far apart. The door crunched and splintered around the knob, then swung open, banging against a chair that slid and slammed against the wall. I stepped into a common area with tables and couches, countertops, a stove, and a fridge. Beyond this were two rows of bunk beds along each wall, like in an army barrack. The three people inside didn't even spare a glance for the commotion we'd just made. Lou's son wore the Humboldt hoodie. He had a smooth, angular face and shaggy black hair that curled over his forehead. He was crouched in front of the counter, his face inches from it, his lips moving like he was talking. But I couldn't hear him over the singing. An older woman stood on a table, shifting through different poses like she was in a bodybuilding competition. Another woman squatted in the corner by the couch, facing the wall, rocking back and forth. I could see her spine through her sweater. On the bottom bunk of the bed closest to me were bricks of cash, a pile of them, like they'd been dumped there without any regard for their value. I didn't see a case anywhere. As I searched the cupboards my eyes kept going back to the cash, the bills were hundreds. Just one of those bricks could buy my bus back from the bank, save my business. I'd only ever stolen one thing in my life, and that was when I was just a kid, a popsicle that had melted in my jacket pocket. But this was different. These people had tried to kill my tour guide business. They'd kidnapped me, bonded me to a stranger they'd framed, and most likely abused my mom. I deserved this money, their money, that they didn't even respect. I found the case of Odalith Cackle, jammed into the bottom shelf of the refrigerator. I pulled it out, checked the contents, twelve vials of black liquid encased in grey foam. Remembering Lou's instructions, I took his vial from my pocket over to his son, who was still crouched in front of the counter. This close to him, I could hear his incoherent mumbling, smell the stale cigarette smoked and trapped within his clothes. I removed the vial's lid and poured the stuff on the back of his neck. He jumped back, looked at me, looked all around, then back at me like I'd just woken him up with ice water. Who are you? What's going on? I'm with your dad, I said. We're breaking you out of here. He's outside. Go. As he slid past Kalia, who stood in the doorway, her back to me, accompanying Lou's crooning beautifully, I texted her, how many vials to break our bond? She texted back, four each. Why? That left plenty to spare. I snatched two vials from the case and poured one on the hands of each of the suffering women. They reacted as Lou's son had, eyes wide, diaphragms pumping. It's you, one said to me. It is? I said. Charlie Allison. How do you know my name? You're the doorway the memorist seeks. Okay. Sure. 
But let's talk about that later. We're kind of in a hurry right now. We can't leave. She'll kill our families if we're not here to make her wall. What wall? You need to run, the other woman said. She knows you're here now. She's coming. My phone dinged. A text from Kalia, let's go. I tried to help these women, but if they didn't want to come, I couldn't force them. I closed up the case. Then the pile of cash caught my eye again. Just one brick was all I needed. I was at the bed in two strides. As I reached out and wrapped my fingers around a stack, pain shot through me. Kalia's voice broke. The harmony failed. In my rush, I'd gone just beyond the invisible tether that connected us. What was I thinking? As I turned to leave, case and cash in hand, one of the women grabbed my shoulder and said, Remember this, the secret to defeating the memorist lies beyond the cheese danish in the whorl of the sourdough starter. She let go and widened her eyes as if to say, What are you waiting for? Go. No time for questions or confusion, I rushed out. Lou and his son were running to his Cadillac. Kalia was frantically waving me on. Neither was singing anymore. The heads of the Zadatorians had been replaced by large, translucent green bubbles. Inside the bubbles were broad, veiny leaves with the pallor of dead chicken skin. They undulated like kelp in the tide. There was a faint, high-pitched buzzing in my ears. As Kali and I ran past the Zadatorians, additional bubbles expanded around their shoulders, and their arms were sucked inside. Get ready to slide, Kalia said. Remember what I taught you. I prepared my mind with the image of our rental car. Slide. Kalia called ahead to Lou and his son. A three-dimensional veil of a bamboo forest dropped all around us. We ran, sliding through the knobby trunks and thin leaves, catching up with Lou and his son who moved slower now. The bamboo seemed to stick a little as the two slid through it, maybe because it wasn't one of their whorls. Ten yards behind us, the Zadatorians were stuck in a dense thicket, unable to slide through like us. Flat, fleshy worms shot out of the bubbles around their shoulders, growing and growing in length, as if from endless coils inside the Zadatorians' chests. Three got trapped in the thicket, but the fourth found its way to the other side and weaved through the chutes and trunks toward Lou's son. Four black talon-like fangs protruded from its thin open mouth. Watch out! I shouted. Lou's son turned, saw the hideous appendage bearing down on him, and struggled to move faster, grunting, almost whimpering. He was so close to the Cadillac, but he wasn't going to make it in time. Lou, who just opened the driver's side door, saw the danger and doubled back. But he was also too slow, like he was wading through mud. I pivoted, stretched out my whole body, and held the case in front of Lou's son like a shield. Wop. The worm struck the case, fangs embedding in the hard plastic. It tugged violently to free itself. With my other hand, I pushed Lou's son through the mire of bamboo ghosts toward the Cadillac. Then the tugging stopped, and I felt a strike on my forearm pain sharp and hot. The worm had latched onto me. Before I could react, Kalia grabbed the slimy body and severed the head with a knife. The two parts whipped around, spewing white ichor everywhere in thick globs. I tore the head from my arm and threw it down, disgust shivering through my body. Stay focused, Kalia said. Keep sliding. 
We jumped in the car and tore out of there just as the remaining tapeworm arms had squeezed through the thicket. Lou followed driving much slower, still bogged down in our whorl. We turned onto the main road and headed out of town. The bamboo forest didn't dissipate until we reached the cow fields. What were you thinking? Kalia said. We were free and clear, then you broke the tether. And for what? Cash? The cash. I looked around. It was gone. I must have dropped it while helping Lou's son. There went my chances of getting the bus back. Crap. Yeah crap is right. Total crap. We were lucky to get out of there alive. I'm sorry. As the road climbed out of the valley, Lou caught up, zooming up onto our tail. There were four puncture wounds in my arm surrounded by a raised white ring. Are Zadatorians poisonous? I said. Kalia's eyes were half-closed, her voice faint. I. You have to drive. She parked in a turnout, and Lou pulled alongside as we switched seats. We need to keep moving, he said. Those Zadatorians can be fast. We're right behind you, I said, buckling my seatbelt. I turned to Kalia. She was already out, so I buckled her in too. The bite on my arm stung, but no worse than peroxide on a scratch. I couldn't stop looking at it as I followed Lou. He drove like a lunatic, tires screeching around every turn. I'd never driven so fast on a windy road. I struggled to keep up. I worried about the brakes. I worried about my arm. Then after 20 minutes, I started worrying about Kalia. She'd never been out this long after throwing the ghost. The two times before had been 10 minutes at the most. Had she just overreached this time? Was this normal? Would she be okay? When 30 minutes passed and she still hadn't woken up, I flashed my brights at Lou until he pulled over. He stuck his head out his window. What's going on? I checked to make sure Kalia was still breathing, then got out and walked to Lou's door. She's been passed out for the last 30 minutes. That's way longer than the other times. Do you think she's okay? What other times? The other times she threw the ghost. Lou bugged out his eyes. You two are in the honeymoon phase? What? The first two days of your bond. Yeah. She shouldn't be throwing the ghost at all right now. Why? Because of what's happening to her right now. And what is that? You gotta spell things out for me, man. I'm new to all this. Well, when you throw the ghost in the honeymoon phase, you run the risk of losing all the whorls you made in your lifetime. They get lost in the new cackle because it's so unfamiliar. She's not passed out right now. She's using all her strength trying to find her lost whorls. But if it's been over 10 minutes like you say, she's shit out of luck. She'll wake up a few hours from now a sad cookie. But the good news is you got oh, just give her four vials. Pour it on her skin. That'll give her the strength to gather up all her lost whorls. But you gotta give them to her now. Four vials. That would only leave six. And Kalia had said we needed to take four each simultaneously to break our bond. If I took four at the same time, would that break our bond? 
It would, but she'd lose her whorls. If you want both to happen, you need to let her recover first, then you can break the bond. One thing at a time. That made us too short. We needed 12 vials total if we were going to save her whorls and break our bond. You have two extra vials? Lou shook his head. Sorry. I know where to get some raw o, but we couldn't harvest enough in time. I looked back at Kalia, so peaceful in the passenger seat. Inside she was desperately struggling to save pieces of her. Hey, Lou said, holding out a piece of paper. Take this. It's my number. You really took a bullet for my son back there. I owe you. Call me if you need anything. Thank you, Lu Sun said. I nodded and took the number. Don't hang around here too long, Lu said. Those bastards can still catch up. As they drove off and I shuffled back to the rental car, I realized I'd forgotten to ask him about the bite, if it was deadly, if I'd be okay. I couldn't call him now. There was no service in these mountains. But I figured if the bite was really bad, he would have said something. I was probably fine. I needed to decide what to do with the Otolith cackle. If I gave it to Kalia now, we'd be bonded for life. If I waited, she'd lose all the whorls from her life, which were at the least memories on steroids. What would I choose if I were her? I thought about the sister I'd lost, the one just a few years younger than May. I remembered how distressed I'd been when I first started losing the ability to conjure her face in my mind, her expressions, her voice, her laugh. I imagined having memories of her, I could relive perfectly, whenever I wanted, whenever I missed her. That would be priceless. Kalia's best friend had just died. I couldn't deny Kalia the comfort of those whorls. If I was her, I'd rather be tethered to a stranger than lose them. And it was my fault she was having this crisis. If I hadn't gone for the money, the Zadatorians would have remained under the spell of the Harmonies, until we'd left. And where was that money now? Gone. I retrieved four vials from the case in the back seat. I held Kalia's limp hand in mine, and I emptied the vials one by one on her palm. Her skin absorbed the otolith tincture immediately, leaving no mess or even moisture behind. She didn't spring awake or give any indication the medicine was working. I just had to trust that Lou was telling the truth. I only spent the first half of the trip back, second-guessing my decision. The last half I spent listening to music, escaping thought of any kind. Kalia stayed unconscious, or whatever state she was in, the whole time. I pulled up to the meal in a mold at around 7 at night. It was dark out, raining. The place was packed as usual. With the key now, I was able to use the side entrance, rather than passing through the dining area. I propped the door open with a rock, then went back for Kalia. She wouldn't wake up so I had to carry her. She was light, luckily. Even so, the stairs were rough. My quads burned as I reached the top. I didn't smell her on purpose like a creep. But being that close, I couldn't just turn my senses off. She smelled good. I made a separate trip for the cases of totems and otolith cackle. There was a meal in a mold waiting for us on the counter, green with hard-boiled eggs and American cheese inside. And there was a note. I took Kalia to the bedroom then came back to read it, so glad to have you back.
Enjoy. On the house. I was hungry but not that hungry. I ordered a pizza delivery, then hopped in the shower. As I lathered the shampoo in my hair, I heard a door shut outside the bathroom, possibly the front door, followed by voices.